You're listening to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. I'm Sam. Matt. I'm Kyam. Thank you for joining us. Okay, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, the 31st of January. Is that right? The 30th. The 30th. Time is a meaningless construct in the pandemic. WandaVision came out last night. I was able to watch WandaVision when it came out at 3 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Is that, why, um, is that when it comes out? 3 a.m.? Yeah, because it comes out. That's, that's, that's midnight on the Pacific, on the Pacific uh, Coast okay. yes. in the U.S. Um, and I think the only people that get it after them is uh, Alaska, right? Because that's further west. Anyway, um, th- when it... For it blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I had to. We did. We put off recording this podcast the day before yesterday because these guys hadn't watched episode four yet, and I convinced them to. You guys give your thoughts. I'm gonna say I'm 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 staggered by the amount of layers in a television program like this. Like, there's so many layers to to dig through. Yeah. So my theory is that obviously because Monica Rambeau becomes the first. Oh, I, I just want to spoiler alerts. Like we don't give a shit. Yeah. You watch it or, or go and, and watch it. Uh, so uh, go watch episode four of the of WandaVision on Disney plus um, and then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. So, but Monica Rambeau becomes photon in the comic books. Oh, yes. If that's, if that was Wanda, hitting her with, as we assume in House of M, the force of the, the Big Bang, and he, she's pushing Monica Rambeau through layers of reality. This could, If this is how Monica Rambeau becomes, gets her photon powers, are we, is it possible that at the end of the show, she loses her shit when she recreates the fucking Mind Stone? The Big Bang happens, and boom, there's mutants? I have a theory um, that Wanda's powers are, well, Wanda manipulates reality. That's why I think her powers look like the reality stone powers. And I think you can see that throughout all the Marvel movies that anybody's powers, when they pertain to a certain type of of power set, will pertain to the power, the the corresponding power stone. I did not consider that. That's that's an interesting theory. Um, I'll say, though, at least in terms of what I thought um, watching episode four is I'm you know, going to kind of echo Kai's sentiment. Very impressed with, with um, the way everything is kind of fitting together. I thought it was excellent that they show the instances like of their. So, I mean, in the first three episodes we saw, there was an attempt to contact um, Wanda through the radio. Uh, we saw the, um, the guy in the, um, you know, like the the, the, the the bee costume, essentially, not the bee costume, the... Um, Beekeeper. Beekeeper, thank yep. you. Uh, yeah, we, we saw him come out of the sewer. We saw these little things peppered throughout these episodes, and then you see actually how those, how that came to be, for at least from the perspective of the people with S.W.O.R.D., and I thought that was really good. Um, I just... The fact that they're using S.W.O.R.D. I'm not really familiar with S.W.O.R.D., um, this is kind of my first introduction to it. If I've if I've seen it before in a comic, then it kind of just slipped my mind because I don't really I didn't really know much about Sword. But I think I mean I also wasn't expecting um, 
it to kind of tie into the results of the blip. Like I, I, I never even considered that Monica yeah. Rambeau uh, was actually one of the people who disappeared when Thanos snapped his fingers. I also mm-hmm. like that they are still acknowledging five years has passed. That wasn't just something that they did in Endgame, and now we're going to pretend that like we didn't just jump five years into the future. No, that's still having an impact on the characters. Yeah. Yes. It was kind of a it was kind of a stupid little thing they did in Spider-Man Far From Home, and I was afraid that that was going to be it. Yeah. Oh, Peter and his entire class and Happy and his, and Aunt May and all their teachers blipped. Yeah. Or actually, no. One of their teachers didn't blip. His wife, he, he was like, my I thought my wife blipped. Turned out she just left me. <laughs> was the thing they said. Uh, but for me, I thought, I liked how we sort of seen the arc of Darcy, Kat Dennings' character. So she was like, I'm just here because I need the I need the the internship credit to I'm an astrophysicist. Right. It's awesome. Yeah. And also, okay. you know what? You know what? Don't tell what the greatest character development of all time is? Jimmy Woo. Because in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Scott Lang is in uh, uh under house arrest and he learns a close-up magic card trick. And then Jimmy Woo I was gonna say, his yeah. card, gives Monica Rambo his card with the card trick. That is script. the greatest character and, development of all time. And I gotta say, I I gotta definitely agree with you. I love the fact, and we spoke about this a few episodes ago, how the Marvel Universe is itself a character. Like, everything is tied in. Those same characters are walking the streets somewhere, and this show really, really nails that point down and says, this is a whole universe. You, the characters don't just stop existing once you switch which movie it is or which character you're focused on. They're still out there. They're still doing that something. And that, I think, that tapestry that Marvel has created that now bridges multiple platforms or multiple mediums is, is astounding. Nobody's ever done this. This is something that I'm sort of thinking five years, right? There, it took them five years and took them however many, however many years it will take them to recover from getting everyone back. Right. So, but like Monica Rambeau being replaced, like she would have been director of sword after her mom died. If she was here, if she hadn't been blipped, they sort of made that clear in episode four, I thought of one. But I always thought, sorry, I always thought like what Thanos did was the snap and what Hulk did to bring them back was the blip. But in the, in that, in, in episode four, it makes it kind of sound like Thanos snapping his fingers was the blip. I think because they don't no. know, because it, maybe it's not widely known in the Marvel universe that it, that someone snapped their fingers. Okay. So. No, the snap is everybody disappearing. The blip is everybody. I know, but in the back. episode, they kind of make it sound like people disappeared the in the blip, or they're both the blip. Yeah. Maybe I think I think okay. maybe it's a little bit of both because nobody because like he snapped it in Wakanda. Nobody, nobody knows. knows that. But like, my point being with. Someone stepped up because she wasn't there. I is this how they bring the X Men in? When the Avengers were gone, the mutants had to come out of the woodwork because they needed to step up because the world still needed heroes, right? Because a lot of or uh, this is also how they could bring in Miles Morales. Someone had to step up because Spider Man was gone. I could see that. I could see that. I just think it's Wanda making her own universe. She literally could bring she could bring mutants in. This is how they could do it. I think whatever happens in regards to bringing mutants in, I think that's still 
a few years away. I don't know if it'll be tied to the, the snap or the blip or, or some other event that we have yet to see. Um, and I, I don't know if Miles, I don't know if they would bring in Miles Morales like this because wouldn't if he stepped up to Spider Man, wouldn't it have made sense for him along with anybody else who kind of stepped up during those five years to show up in, during that final battle with Thanos? That's true too. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't they and, need well, it? Because, yeah. Because I think her powers could bring in mutants, but she's a mutate, not a mutant in the in the MCU. I think it's right. I can't recall what the current canon in Marvel is, but she was a mutant originally, of course, and then it was retconned yep. into her being a mutate in the comics. A little recently, I don't think I don't. I think it might have been before Ultron. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, we'll have to do that and like figure that again. Figure that out at some point, but it doesn't mean her powers couldn't bring. Like basically, there's a big bang. And then mutants get bloomed into the world retroactively, but basically, the mutants are aware. Everyone's aware of the mutants, but basically, like no one's ever made any progress on the on like mutant rights, what have you. You know, it's like we're not going to get that scene in X Men Three: The Last Stand, which is a horribly underrated movie. It's I've watched it again and again recently. And it holds up, and it really comes into different light when you, if you watch it with like today's political contexts. When you think about like, there's that scene where Aurora is walking, like Storm is walking through the X mansion, and she looks, she's talking to Professor X, and she's like, "We've got a mutant in the cabinet, a president who understands us, Beast, obviously being the Secretary of Mutant Affairs, a president who understands us. Why are we still hiding?" Right? And then Charles is like, "Oh, there will always be people who try to get us and whatever. Fuck with mutants." I can see like that being a goal, but like that scene, something like that happening is a very long way off from whenever the mutants come in. So I think that would be an argument for bringing the mutants in sooner. I don't know. I still think it should be done with uh, alternate reality. I'll uh, fantastic yeah. for, but I, but I think that I think that's fine, but I think, see, the thing is, I think the mutants, the X-Men in general need the weight of history. Like bring in have whoever you want in your X Men lineup team, whatever. But I you need you need to have that weight of Wolver of there are characters like Wolverine who have who are very old, like Apocalypse. You have you know uh, Eric was a Magneto was a Holocaust survivor. Maybe it's not the Holocaust. I think Ty and I have gone back and forth on this point enough. Maybe it's maybe he's not Jewish, but there needs to be the weight of. He is a member of a historically marginalized group, and he didn't go with the reverse of that. He went for it's it's time for a tit for tat, right? Damn it, Sam! That is a phenomenally well placed um, phrase. The weight of history, like the mutants, with the weight the, of history. The, I, the, I the, 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 the X Men have always occupied an interesting space in comic books, right? Like because it, they are one of in the trinity of super teams. It's the event. It's the Justice League, the Avengers, and the X Men. And for for very mm -hmm. many for many years, Marvel was the uh, like the bottom of the barrel was Marvel, but the cream of the crop was X Men books and Wolverine books, right? And yeah. all the stories that could have that would occur there. One of the some of the the best my favorite comics I've ever read were Marvel books. And like nine out of ten of those Marvel books are X Men books. Yeah, 
animals, whether it's Wolverine or Deadpool or, you know, someone connected in the insular way, you know, it could be something like Spider-Man and the X-Men or Wolverine and the X-Men, uh, what have you, or Avengers versus X-Men, best event I've read, I've read over the last 10 years by far. Um, but the, the benefit of the X-Men is it comes from, or it is coming from, or a parallel history in a way, whether it's, you know, uh, gay rights or, um, you know, the AIDS epidemic or, uh, you know, just the historic, the, the manner in which people in all around the world have, all, have constantly found uh, a group or people to marginalize. You know, you, the, the X-Men have always been easily transplanted into a position like that, whether it's a terror attack and you have them, the, yeah. the X-Men being ardently against the Vigilante Registration Act in, or whatever it was called, in the original Civil War comic book. No, they were right. out. Like, they were basically, they when, when you're out. doing, when the government's doing something and Magneto and Professor X are in agreement about how you should, how to act, I think you're doing something wrong. And perhaps starting it off that way, you know, I've made this pitch off of off podcast, but basically, or maybe I have made it on the podcast, but like our first introduction to the X-Men should be a post-credit scene where, where um, or to the mutants in general should be Nick Fury and Mariah Hill, Maria Hill, however you pronounce her name, are somewhere and they're going into a prison and blah, 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 blah. They're talking to the prisoner, but the new guy fucking is wearing his wedding ring. And it's made of like some rare steel and Nick Fury looks and he's like, you shouldn't have brought metal in. And then the prisoner fucking uses the metal, kills everyone, but leaves Nick Fury alive because, you know, because main character reasons and boom, fucking Magneto gets out of prison. And then next movie is like Avengers versus X-Men because the Avengers want the X-Men to like join them or be imprisoned in the raft and the X-Men, like Professor X, the Brotherhood, Magneto, Wolverine, everyone, or whoever you want to bring in as the as that lineup, whether it's a heavy on the main characters or not, or like the, the big name ID characters or not, you have them like it's you have the first thing be mutants against the world. And that would be a great way to bring them in. I think WandaVision is leading up, is going to be that. Because apparently there's been some leaked footage. I don't. I haven't watched it. I don't know what's in it, but apparently it it, it gets into how this is how the X Men are coming into the world, into the MCU, or it addresses how that may occur from the next. Honestly, I think at this point, I don't know about you guys. I trust Marvel to do what whatever they're gonna do is probably yeah. gonna be yeah. top notch because there's no way I could have ever imagined a show like wandavision ever even existing um or being as amazing as it has been so if marvel is going to bring in mutants their way i'm going to say whatever they're going to do is just going to like they're going to they're not going to throw the pie in my face they're going to leave the pie in front of me and i'm going to smash my face yeah. in it because that is how marvel presents their sure yes um they're definitely showing, um, especially with WandaVision, that they've got a plan, um, that they know how to fit different pieces together. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have faith that, that however they decide to introduce the X-Men, it's, it's going to be um, well done. I still think, I mean, I'm surprised to hear that, that WandaVision may, may connect to, to the X-Men, just because I thought they might wait until at least the end of this phase, phase four, um, to bring in the X-Men, maybe connected to the Multiverse of Madness. But uh, I'm excited to see where things go. 
Well, Wanda well, well, Division is the first thing in Phase Four. The last thing in Phase Three was uh, right. Spider-Man. But I was thinking they might wait until I think the last element of Phase Four is supposed to be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which coincidentally Wanda is also going to be in. So I thought they they might wait until then to do something with the X Men, like right at the end of the of that last Phase Four um, movie. We'll see. Well, phase Four is probably going to be the shortest phase. I think it only goes to the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah, but there's like, I mean, the way it's structured now, they've essentially got what, like three or four films that have to come out this year. <laughs> and now yeah. they're two. Yeah. I'm uh, very condensed because of the pandemic. I was going to ask, what do you guys prefer? The whole movie experience? Do you guys miss that? Or do you really see the importance of these characters being in serialized um, productions? Uh, I'm, I think this is, this is something that we're going to encounter a lot this year. Because if we weren't in a pandemic, I don't think they would have made the Snyder Cut. That doesn't mean, though, that I don't think the Snyder Cut should be seen in theaters. A movie like Godzilla vs. Kong isn't going to make a billion dollars since you can't see it in theaters. A movie like Godzilla vs. Kong, people go to see multiple times in theaters because it's awesome. I saw Endgame in theaters like three times just because it was so awesome. And the experience, I went three mm-hmm. times. The first time I went was with our friend Liam. Shout out Liam. Uh, read his stuff. He's an awesome uh, like entertainment journalist. Um, I went to see Endgame with him opening night, opening Thursday, and or after D&D, actually. Uh, it was so good. It was so phenomenal watching Endgame in theaters. And a movie like Black Widow, just from what we've seen in the trailers with all the awesome action and like the big action scenes where she's fighting Taskmaster, that's a movie that needs to be seen in theaters. Godzilla vs. Kong needs to be seen in theaters. WandaVision and like Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, yeah, they're probably going to be very good on TV, blah, blah, blah. But... I still need to see action movies on the big screen, right? They're not made for TV. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, not them not being on cinema screens is gonna you're gonna not lose the you're gonna lose the weight the full weight of them, and they're gonna be analyzed a lot faster. Which is over analysis of films is awful, and I hate that about some film credits. Uh, and I think that becomes it, it happens faster when there's no theaters when it's not on big screens. I can do that. Yeah, there's certain there's certain things that are, are are made to be seen in theaters. I mean, I don't know if I'll even bother seeing Godzilla versus Kong. I really didn't like the last Godzilla movie, Godzilla King of the Monsters. I mean, yeah, it was a spectacle, and I didn't want to see it in theaters. It's yeah, I didn't really come away thinking much of it. So I may or may not see see this next one. Um, and certainly, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of experience as seeing as seeing Endgame. I mean, Endgame was yeah. That, that's like that's up there as one of I think just the most enjoyable movies uh, that I've seen. It was awesome, um, hands yeah. down. Well, like I think with, with the movie, so like I just said earlier, a movie like Godzilla vs Kong isn't is a big spectacle in the same way a Fast and Furious movie is not like Endgame, yeah, like yeah. an Avengers movie is. Like there won't be um, a superhero movie that is as resonant as Avengers Endgame probably for another five or six years. Right until they do something so good, like they do, like event, like they adapt Avengers versus X Men or X Men Schism to the to the big screen. Dude, it's gonna be the Galactus. When Galactus shows up and all the heroes have to fight him together with the Silver Surfer and the Fantastic Four and the X Men, and we see that on screen, that's gonna be the next moment. But the moment isn't just the number of characters that's in the movie; it's how they they build up to that. So, as we said, I think Marvel. has been doing a great job and I have faith that they'll continue to do a great job going forward. But 
in order to recreate that kind of feeling uh, that, that we got when we watched Endgame, they have to build up to that next kind of colossal event uh, in much the same way, slowly, um, really digging into a lot of the main characters. Um, yeah, I think that's why, like, it's sort of a weird thing, but, like, I think that's why, to pivot for a sec, I think that's why, I, or always we end up talking about Star Wars inevitably on this podcast, because <laughs> that's how we bond. Uh, yeah. I think that might be how, what Fat, why Favreau being in charge of Star Wars is so important, because Feige created the mm. MCU together, right? They birthed yeah. it together. Feige may have raised it and sent it off to college, but for them, but Favreau is there as like a cool, the cool like guiding uncle the whole time, who's now started a family of his own with the Star Wars. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I li- like I listened to a, uh, so I uh, Michael Rosenbaum. He played Lex Luthor on Smallville. He has a podcast called Inside of You, and he just interviewed Katie Sackoff. And they talk about, of course, Mandalorian and Bo-Katan. And she didn't say, she didn't reveal any like spoilers, but she basically said like, John Favreau has a long, long-term vision for this. And Pedro Pascal has said as much as well. Like he's he's looked beyond what we can see, and he has guided that and molded that already, much in the same way Feige has, right? And I think that's why we can not we don't have to worry about. Mandalorian, I think with event with with uh, MCU, like they they screw in the when the movies are coming out, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel because they know they can make good movies with characters like Iron Man or the Guardians of the Galaxy. Which even if you don't like the Guardians of the Galaxy, because I don't find it a super compelling movie, but it's an enjoyable film, right? Second one less so, but the first but, but the first one most definitely. And the Iron Man movies, like the for one and two especially are just phenomenal films, you know? They're they're war films that happen to have a superhero movie, you know? They happen to have a superhero element. Uh, I don't think trusting the MCU sort of is even a question for me, but for most people. I gotta, I gotta ask you guys, what do you think the hexagons are? Because right from the get-go, I noticed the hexagon patterns were happening from, uh, from episode one. And then, uh, what is it? Episode one. Our boy, what was the episode, uh, what was the episode one? Huh? Hexagons? They're everywhere in the credits, in the the show, actually, and then eventually they even write on the board, on the whiteboard. Uh, our FBI agent Joe writes it. Why hexagons? And that's something that's been reoccurring. And I thought it was Hydra based somehow. I thought it was because of the B guy, but. There's, I don't know, what do you guys think it is? There's like a Von Strucker watch that they advertised. There's Hydra soap. And I thought it was a Hydra thing that she was back in, but it turns out that that's not the case. So, any so I have thoughts on no that? Com- I have no comments on the hexagon thing because I didn't really stop. I didn't realize that uh, hexagons appeared so much. And I missed that reference uh, that you just um, made where, where, where they wrote something on the board. So I don't really have any thoughts on it. Oh, I'm a huge Easter egg nerd. Like, I will pause an episode and, like, double back and kill the flow of the show just to see if I caught something. So, Sacred Shapes and all. Um, if you draw three lines in a hexagon, it looks like a cube. So that's the Tesseract. There's one. I just did a quick Google search, though. Um, yeah. Because that's how they got their powers. It was a, it was a, it was a te- the Tesseract. 
I believe. Or no, it was the it was the Mindstone. Mindstone, yeah. So there is something there that we haven't explored. Yeah. The fact that they she got her powers from the thing that gave Vision his powers. Maybe that's how they were able to have kids in the first place. And that's how Billy and Tommy, also phenomenal Easter egg, because that's the names of Wiccan and Speed. Yeah. Uh, two of my favorite all-time characters, because Young Avengers yeah. is one of my favorite comic books of all time. Um but I'm I, I see this one. It's like on poly. There's an article on Polygon, uh, uh, by uh, uh, Susanna Polo. Basically, it's arguing that the hexagon signals that Mephisto is involved. What? <laughs> uh, and apparently, um, since he's a recurring Doctor Strange villain, uh, but I have no idea what that means. With why the hexagons? Uh, Sigmafisto. Uh, because a pentagram wasn't big enough for him? Like, he wanted one more side? Uh, 666, I don't know. 666, because that's why. Because it's a hexagon. Um, and there is a symbol, there's a picture of Mephisto in a stained glass window in the Loki treaser. Is there? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Or it's a devilish figure. So, how many devils are there in the Marvel Universe, right? There's more rhetorical question. Oh, there's oh, Azazel I, 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 as well, I, I, Nightcrawler's father, technically, uh, as well. But I don't, you know, uh, I maybe, maybe I don't know. I think that's a little out there, but um, I think the hexagon could have significance. In, like, what's there six of? Right, there's six core Avengers. Right, the whole six, six Infinity stones. stones. So what? Yeah, six core Avengers: uh, Iron Man, Hulk. Thor, Captain America, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. So yeah, there's six. There's six Infinity Stones. Um, six Avengers movies? No. There are only four no. Avengers movies. Five if you count Captain America Civil War. Um, what else are there six of? There have been six Batman movies, you know, multiverse. <laughs> Adam West. Uh, Adam West, Val Kilmer, Michael Keaton, Michael. George Clooney. Uh, no, there have been seven Batman. Robert Pattinson is seven. There goes my theory about DC versus Marvel. Well, there goes the Batman theory. I saw the Marvel movies. You gotta count Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, added, even though he's just a voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's eight. Bruce Greenwood makes nine. Jason Omar makes ten. Um, I saw another theory that, uh, or another thing that casting news that in the multiverse of madness, they're casting like Avengers UK and they're casting like Charlie Hunnam and Henry Cavill to play like two versions of Captain Britain. That's all. Henry Cavill would be a great Captain Captain Britain, but he's not going to because he's fucking Superman, the greatest hero of all time. Well, I I think it would also, I think it would also be, um, it would be a a little like, because he's Superman. It would be, see him I think if they did it, it would be as a joke. I think it would be like, it's. It, you're not going to see him again. It's just for fun, I, which I which I wouldn't put past Marvel to do. Yeah. And I think that it would be a way, and they would like do like a, maybe you should wear glasses, like yeah. some corny joke like yeah. that. Throw that well, in like there. The, the, doing that um, is the same as Jimmy Woo with the card trick. Right. Yeah. It's, no, I think that's different. I think that's that's Can't basically um, what is it? Yeah, that's that's sort of like a throw, uh, like a little wink and a nudge to to all the 
the fans yeah. paid attention. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the good, again, but also like Billy and Tommy, more Young Avengers. She thinks she's loses. The, at the end of this, she's going to think the kids are dead, but they're going to be somewhere and it's going to be them. It's going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be, uh, what's her name? Uh, Cassie Lang. It's going to be um, uh, uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. And that's that's five Young Avengers. Oh, four uh, Young Avengers we have. Miss Marvel. Is Miss Marvel in the Young Marvel Avengers? Khan. She's not, but yeah. they'll throw her. They'll cram her in for maybe the for a little, yeah. Because they, I think they need a little more like they need a little more raw power and Avengers. Three well, guys, three girls. girls. You got Iron Lad. Well, you boom! Got the two Young Avengers, more twins. argument, and well, actually. The villain of the next Ant-Man and the Wasp in what is it? Uh, Mania. The villain is Kang. So, yeah, lots of um, potential there. Does that mean Vision's going to be a kid, and then there's going to be no Vision? That would be weird. Uh, no, that would be I think so this weird. ends with them um, bringing Vision back. Okay, that that horrific moment where she sees yeah. zombie vision with yeah. his head imploded um that, that actually made me guess like too. Made me i guess. think like the moment of lucidity from wanda told me everything i needed to know either she's aware of this and she's a psycho or she's not aware of this and she snapped and thus she is a, a psycho like i think she's perfectly aware of what's of what's happening i think she's making a conscious attempt to keep this world in place that but she's why? created and why the sitcom well i don't know about why the sitcom but i would imagine the, the why for, for for what she's created here is so that she can have the kind of life she wanted with vision yeah but as we can i think predict mm -hmm. all of this basically started within days from the end from the blip from everyone coming back and wanda was one of those people what yeah, she, she took, did get snapped she somehow right? found yeah. vision's body and has it with her probably, and it's being animated by her magic, and she's fucking with reality. So you don't think Vision is I alive? I think that this thing's this that there's a scene in one of the in like the, I think it was the second or third teaser before the the show the first episodes came out a couple weeks back, where she is remaking the the Mind Stone, the Yellow Mind Stone. She's remaking it somehow. I think this ends with her bringing Vision back. And basically like, but her powers fucking create the X-Men or create mutants. Either the first mutants or like it snaps. And that's that. why she's in Multiverse of Madness because she's like, Doctor Strange is like, what the fuck did you do? And she's like, oops, sorry, I'll help you out. And then boom, we get our, we get, you know, our Harry Potter comic book Marvel fucking movie in Multiverse of Madness. Did you guys read years ago? Years and years ago, I read. So you guys both remember? I don't know if you guys remember, if you didn't read it. Um, there was a scene where um, Doctor Strange comes to the X Men, and he looks at them and he's like, and then they're, they're just like something like, "Oh, Wanda's hex magic or her chaos magic is doing you know this and this and this," and then Doctor Strange looks at them like what the f are you talking about there is no such thing as those two magics she is not a magician she does not use magic at all and like 
that's when it's revealed that she actually warps reality. And I think that's going to be an interesting uh, moment in uh, in Multiverse of Madness if Doctor Strange um, kind of reigns Wanda in like that. In fact, that might be that might she might have a, a bigger part. Well, in that I was movie thinking. I mean, is it is it is it not possible that she could kind of that that they may not save her from this pocket dimension she's created, like in this series? I mean, this kind of could continue. And it kind of becomes one of these many multiverses that Doctor Strange travels to or through in his movie. Yeah, oh, I think snap. like the the implications of first of all, I'm surprised Matt Kai isn't saying this. Not Matt Kai, the philosophical implications of her power. She has no powers. She can just manipulate reality. That is her power. Yes, but this is the other thing I think. This, what was the what was the fate of the reality stone? The 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 collector had it, right? Yeah. So yeah. yes. If the stones are all put back, or so the reality stone is destroyed, though, right? All of the stones are destroyed. But maybe phase four is because I theorized a couple podcasts back on our podcast that the the, the next no, villain. Is uh, my theory is that it's or my the there's going to be a cosmic villain and it's going to be Adam Warlock. And Adam Warlock's not recreating the stones as I thought. He's finding the new stones. And if Vision's the new Mind Stone, then Wanda is the new Reality Stone. Because you said just now her powers look like the Mind Stone, the Reality Stone. And you're right; they look like the Ether, the red shit. Yeah. Well, so maybe she is now the Reality because of her powers to Warlock manipulate reality to like whatever, they are most like reality or her powers were already reality manipulation. So the spirit, the soul of the reality stone, not the soul stone, the soul of the reality stone is now her. She's now the reality stone. And that's how there's layers to this. There's so many layers to this one episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's then I would say Professor right? X should be the mind stone. Professor X would be the mind stone. Well, no, because it's not about, it's a, uh, we're just, I don't know. Maybe that's too soon, right? It might be too soon. The mind stone is the yellow thing in his head. Yeah, I'm saying if they're if they're personified, then why wouldn't Professor? How was Vision created in the comics? Almost the same way as he was done in the. He was like supposed to be a body for Ultron. Yeah, but he never had the mind stone thing. Or he was created by Ultron and then, or Hank Pym. No, he was created by Ultron, but then he turned good. Because he was like, what's hmm. up, Wanda? Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. I think, like, the young, who, was our, who was our young Avengers lineup again? Kate Bishop, Wiccan, Speed, uh, Cassie Lang, Miss Marvel, as you say. And maybe they bring in, maybe they bring in Patriot with, uh, with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because they're going to. They're gonna get into like the Possibly. the experiments that were being done on black soldiers before they gave the final serum to Cap. So maybe they get into like, they, maybe White they get guy, into that and like Cap. you know that's why Sam Wilson is like I shut up my fellow Sam. Uh, <laughs> maybe they get into like that stuff and like they get into the creation of like Patriot's grandfather, the original Captain America. And that's why he says the legacy of that shield is complicated, right? Because racism in America. Mm -hmm. 
Because if it's a movie about America's past, you know Americans can't pass up an opportunity to talk about race, as they should. But like, hopefully not like at the end. Hopefully at mm-hmm. the end of the movie, it's not. We solved racism. Thumbs up, guys. Hopefully that doesn't. Happen. You know. <laughs> I laughed too hard at that. Um. Yeah. God, it's such a good show. I can't wait to watch it's, more. It's proving to be, like like I said when we talked briefly about the first two episodes, I wasn't quite sold on it, but but after episode four, like, I'm all in. This is... Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens next. I actually like Ford the 80s. I gotta say, Well, because I, I only had those two episodes to go by, and I was just like, meh, I'm not really... Like, I get that this is kind of like an homage to 50s sitcoms, 60s sitcoms. I just... Eh... I didn't. Yeah. I didn't find it that interesting. Um, I guess because I'm more into like there wasn't a whole like there was world building in terms of the world that she lives in, but in terms of the greater MCU, there wasn't a whole lot of it. Um, and of course, that's my favorite oh, okay. part about these films uh, or these these movies and these mm-hmm. shows. Um, so I mean, episode four was like right up my alley because it's like you know it, it's it's bringing in elements from you know we've got you know we've got a character from Ant Man, we've got a character from Thor. Um, got Monica Rambeau from Captain Marvel, so like it's 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 those kind of things that I like those yeah. that interconnectivity. Um, it feels the world feels mm-hmm. lived in it. Feel there's continuity, you know. With, yeah. with yeah. Star Trek, you know. Yeah. There's continuity. I love these phrases, man. I mean, the continuity in the MCU is is top notch. Like it pretty much puts everything else to shame. Isn't isn't the how what's Monica Maria Rambeau? Monica Rambeau's mom. How did she get cancer? Wasn't her cancer yeah. caused by something? Or are, her cancer was there was radiation um, exposure in Captain Marvel at some point, wasn't there? And that could be yeah. arguably how she got her cancer in the first place and how it's to kill her. But depending on when, like technically Monica Rambeau could have also gotten radiation, but she's like, young enough just the right amount. So that so that she could get powers from Captain Marvel. So there's still that opportunity. I mean, and then another Just another piece of interconnectivity is when um, the, the director of S.W.O.R.D. was talking about the threats from outer space and Monica was like, there's threats and also friends. Yeah. Um, you know. Okay, S.W.O.R.D. Um, we totally missed that one. Uh, originally brought in by Warren Ellis in his run on the X-Men as as that agency and beast had a thing with the um like he did weird sex stuff with the uh, director of sword um who was his girlfriend at the time this is not this is not uh, alluded to this is very okay. obvious in the series and everybody else is grossed out by it even wolverine and they're just like can you guys not talk about this stuff in front of us it's, it's kind of funny as well but um uh, Sword was brought in um, during that Warren Ellis run on um, which X-Men? Astonishing X-Men. Was it Warren Ellis or was it... It was Joss Whedon or it was uh, Warren Ellis brought in Sword as an agency that was keeping an eye on mutants as well as space or mutants were involved in a space thing. Uh, so it was... I think that's an, another interesting fact that this organization is also but connected. I'm assuming they changed. If Sword was connected to, to space, then I'm assuming in the comics it's not so, sentient 
weapon. Well, yeah. So in the comics, it's sentient world observation and response. Ah. So, or division. In the show, it's sentient, sentient weapon. So arguably, they are not just, they, they, oh. he talks about other threats. Boom. What are the other threats? The government sees mutants as a threat. Mutants. More mutants. Government overreach. Tyranny. Modern day politics. Mike Trump. Uh, so that so you I think they're so. sneaking in like, mutants through swords. Having like the direct, maybe maybe it ends with the director is like, "Where's my granddaughter?" And like, "Where are my grandsons?" And it's fucking Magneto in the bowels of the sword. Or maybe from the moment the blip happened and uh, Scar, I'm going off. This is my tinfoil hat theory. Okay, <laughs> your tinfoil hat's on. <laughs> Tinfoil hat on. <laughs> I'm keeping all You all don't see this. You all don't see this, but we're actually speaking on camera. And behind him on the wall, there's all these pictures connected with red yarn. Is this intro my face? Uh, Charlie Day picture. Okay. Tinfoil hat. Yeah. I've talked about this thing like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be Nick Fury in the bowels of a shield prison. No, it's going to be this guy. Because you know who this guy is that is the new director of S.W.O.R.D.? An expendable white guy, right? Right? They're gonna have him. He's gonna go to the prison, and Jimmy Woo's gonna come with him because he trusts him. FBI, whatever. And Jimmy Woo's gonna have like some cool new metal playing cards. Boom! First of all, Gambit reference. Second of all, <laughs> I'm going on a fucking ride right now, guys. Uh, so yep. he goes into yep. a sword prison. And then he's like, basically, Scarlet Witch's whole or Wanda's whole thing with the Westview and whatever has, and the reality warping has retroactively brought in mutants. Half of all people don't know the mutants are real. So, uh, Sword or this guy basically goes down to the prison. Magneto's in the prison. He's like, Where are my grandsons? And he's like, What? How do you know that? And then, boom, Magneto kills a bunch of people and this guy, but leaving Jimmy Woo alive because how dare, don't you dare touch Randall Park. Tinfoil. Well, yeah. I'm going to say yeah. I'm thinking about it now, and I mean, it is possible that they could just come up with a simple explanation as to why we haven't heard about mutants yet. Sword has been keeping that information suppressed, and <gasps> super mutants like like my face is melting. Mm. My face is melting, you guys. It's a perfect idea, Matt. Damn, damn, Matt, that was smooth. So it obvious. is, it but right, dude, right this is, okay, us. we have to release this episode before, oh my gosh, I'm so excited, WandaVision, oh my gosh, this is a really good show, like, it's spawning this, it's spawning, I'm gonna lower my volume, it is spawning this much possible, because it's opening the, it's opening up the possibility for bringing in the X-Men, which is, the X-Men are, are the second half of the Marvel Universe that we haven't seen. It's been it's been 14 years since they announced Iron Man. Thir 14 years. And we haven't longer was actually since they first announced when it, that it was being made. And we haven't gotten any we haven't gotten them in the same universe. We've gotten plenty of X-Men, yeah, but X-Men 3 the last stand came out in 2007 or 2006. And when you talk about continuity, 
that is something the X-Men films did not really have. Yeah, like it's uh, this is this does not tread on the tread on the performances of Patrick Stewart and Ian oh, no. and then Hugh Jackman. This is just this is a reopening, you know? I mean they like do things like, oh, mutants age slower. Mm -hmm. So we can we can justify casting people in their late forties, not their late seventies, to justify the fact that he's a he's a Holocaust survivor. I was, gonna, I was gonna say did Strucker get the genes for those two uh, from Magneto? I'm sorry, his name's Baron von Strucker. Hydra. He got them from a Nazi camp that was keeping, uh, prop keeping Magneto when he was a kid. Yeah. Right. So there's a, yet another connection, and this way they can do a symbolic sort of. Uh, I'm your symbolic father. I'm not actually your father, but yeah. you, your powers came from me, kiddo. Or did they? Because she can re alter reality and reality God, so fucking stuff. Hyped so we now. don't. <laughs> I'm fucking amped up. I'm into the tits. But, but the reason, ultimately, the reason that we can have such passionate discussion about this is because Marvel does things so well. Uh, if they, if we didn't have faith that things were going to come together in an exciting yep. and meaningful way, we'd just be like, oh, hi, what do you think is going to happen? You know what? I don't care because I'm sure they're going to screw it up. The thing for me is I love DC. I am a DC. I am the product of a DC growing up, right? Whether it was the Dark Knight trilogy when I was okay. a teenager yeah. or the fact that the first, the first TV show I ever binge watched was Smallville. I'm a DC boy. But I think, but I'm so I have accepted that you know what, like I'm gonna, I'm not just gonna take what I can get. I'm gonna enjoy it. And over the years, uh, like X Men is, oh, it's like goes X Men, DC, the rest of Marvel for me now, uh, just because, I, because I have such a, I, I love those characters of Spider. I love Spider Man. It's all probably because of Bendis's run on it. But it's, but and like the Ultimate Comics and Tobey Maguire. Uh, and it's and you know Hugh Jackman's Wolverine retroactively create a lot of love for the Wolverine and the X Men and Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen and you got like big name actors to play these roles. But what this mm -hmm. means to me is that what is essentially a a if you have, if you are a person who has only absorbed comic book, com comic book culture through film and TV, like a lot of people are, you can be a big fan of these things and not have read the comic books or not have ever cracked a comic book at all. And and that's a good thing. And what this means is now you can cast not no name actors. If you cast, you're going to get someone to play Professor X or Magneto. They're going to be a little older, probably a little more well known. But all the other ones, especially, you can cast anyone to play these roles, and people are going to go see those movies and be. And a new generation is going to be exposed to the X Men in a way that people probably didn't go see Dark Phoenix, maybe because they didn't have any connection to it. Right? They didn't watch First Class because it came out like fucking eight years yeah. ago or however long it came out ago. Now, now you, there's going to be a whole, like the, peop, the people who watched Iron Man when they were 10 years old, got people like me who weren't really engrossed in comic book culture like I was. They weren't, then they're going to be able to, now they're in their mid-20s or early 30s, and they're watching them on, they're watching the X-Men come in, and it's retroactively creating that interest. Much in the same way that now Guardians of the Galaxy like everything Guardians of the Galaxy on comic book shelves sells like hotcakes. When five, when a month and a half before Guardians of the Galaxy came out, it was like the that was scraping the bottom of the barrel if you were reading Guardians of the Galaxy comic books. And you can cast un like who among the Avengers was well known before they cast them in the Avengers? Robert Downey Jr. Fine, 
Mark Ruffalo, the, oh, the one the, the one thing I remembered him from was 13 going on 30. Arguably, Jeremy Renner <laughs> Renner was the most well-known because he Thank was just in the Hurt Locker. Zoe Saldana was an avatar, right? From Guards of the Oxy. Oh, God. And Batista, was, and Batista was just a wrestler. Yeah, still is. He doesn't wrestle really anymore. He retired. In my, heart, in my heart, he is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like, I you know, Chris Evans was fantastic, was uh, was a human torch, but, you know. You you know what? He's He's been in a handful of comic nerd movies that we don't Do really give him enough credit for. Great fucking movie. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. Too. And it's a great, it's even better comic. So it's an even Norton better Norton, comic. Actually. So we got Batman, Gamora, and Captain America yeah. in the movie. And Heimdall. And Heimdall, that's right. Is it? And Heimdall? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But like, that was really so, an underrated like, movie. We're we're getting to a point where we're getting we're gonna get a lot of these characters that people love that we haven't seen. I haven't. I can't say with with certainty that I've seen a triple A X Men film. Last Stand was a little too intimate for my taste. First Days Class. First Class is a great. Movie. You don't consider that a triple A X Men no. film? I love that movie. Which one? Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past is a great movie, but you didn't. When I think of X Men, I think of that scene in the first volume of Ultimate X Men, where they're in New, where they're in New York, they're in Manhattan fighting a Sentinel, and they defeat it. And the first reaction of the people around them is "Fuck you! You're a fucking mutant. I want the Avengers to save me. Fuck the mutants." When they say shit like when shit like that, that's X Men to me. And okay. I'm not saying that we need to see our heroes get treated like shit for us to enjoy them, but that's X-Men. And it's a, it's a distinct possible. It's, it's yep. not just a pipe dream. It's, uh, it's th something that is going to happen now. And however long it takes for this fucking white sword director who I, who, who gives a fuck about to get killed, he's going to die and a mutant's going to kill him. Like bet. Or make him a villain. Boom. Now Monica Rambeau is both a hero and the head of yeah. sword. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one thing. I cannot wait to see Marvel's X-Men because it's going to be bright again. Not so much, not necessarily the mood itself, but we're going to see a colorful X-Men. We're going to see reds and golds and blues and we're going that's i think that's why i like first class the most is because it was the brightest well, that's, that's first class is a visual. phenomenal film to say the least and sebastian and uh, uh kevin bacon as sebastian mm -hmm. shaw and the hellfire club and azazel and emma frost and such a phenomenal film. Like, well even uh, even emma frost like was great like the she whole I think you're right. Like they can be, they'll be a visually brighter, but you can, but tonally, I think they can, you can make a darker film with the X-Men too. You know, you can make a, it's going to be a PG-13 movie, but there's not going to be swearing up and down the wazoo, but it's going but it's going to be addressing maybe, maybe not yet. X-Men, X-Men comics notoriously mm -hmm. address darker themes. Than Avengers books do, Agreed. or like Avenger, Avenger character books. You're going to, you're going to get a different book uh, in, like if when you're talking about Iron Man's alcoholism as opposed to Wolverine's alcoholism, mm. right? Iron Man, like Tony drinks, 
Tony drinks he's a rich white guy and drinking is fun and he became an alcoholic. Wolverine drinks because he's in a constant state of pain and he needs something to numb the pain and painkillers don't fucking work on him. Wow. I it's like it blows wow, my mind that my mind. we're gonna get to see we it is a distinct possibility that we're gonna get like Commander Commander Rogers, old man Rogers hanging out with Wolverine, and Wolverine can say, fuck happened to you? You got old. He's like, how'd you not get old? He's like, healing factor, I'm a mutant. Yeah. And he's like, you know, or we can get fucking, maybe we get some Canadian representation, some more, and we like get another scene. It happened once in X-Men Origins Wolverine, and I still ride that high. Where, he, where somewhere Nick Fury comes along to Wolverine and says, your country needs you, and then Wolverine slams his door and says, fuck you, I'm Canadian. <laughs> you ever Fuck, think we're gonna do alpha I fucking flight? want alpha flight, bro. <laughs> like I love, I love, I love. I love they will make Canada look so awesome. But Guardian did. and Alpha Flight, Sasquatch and Snowbird and Shaman and uh, uh, fuck, what's the name of what's Guardians? What's James James Hudson's his wife's in green? Vector. Uh, fuck uh, Vector? and Sasquatch. Cause he's like, he's like as big as Hulk, as strong as Hulk, but he's super smart. Like, like, fuck yeah. yeah. Bring in, bring Alpha Flight. At least give us some Yeah, bring Alpha Flight is, is perfect Disney plus fodder. Yeah. I'm sorry, you passed it is, in Canada. It, it costs like, you pennies. <laughs> not, not to mention, not to mention, throw in some actors uh, like from shit. Uh, you, director you, should no, be Eugene, Eugene Levy, Levy. Like just Guardian, because, obviously. just because. Mike Myers will play Sasquatch. No. Uh, oh god. Ryan, and then oh, just god. bring in Ryan Reynolds to play fucking like some dude. No. No, he'll just he'll play Deadpool still. He'll just be like, or we have something I'm Canadian, like so I'm we'll joining this Deadpool group basically being showing up in a PG thirteen movie <laughs> where he say, "What the." And he's about to say, like, fuck or swear. And he's like, oh, I can't. He looks in the camera and says, I can't swear. PG-13. Sorry, kids. And he whispers to the audience. And everyone laughs. And I'm like, of course. Of course they do that. Yeah. I've sort of jumped over I've jumped over my cynicism about Marvel not being tonally serious enough at some times. Because it has become very serious. And it's going, I think, phase four, we're going to see some serious shit. But we're going to see some lighthearted shit, too. Like Loki, you can't tell me that's not going to be lighthearted at times. It's going to be fucking fun. Loki's going to be really fun to watch. Is he he's like a, a, he's like a time like, space detective, is that? what I've heard. Like interplanet, interdimensional time patrol. Oh. Yeah, he is Doctor Who. So he's yes. Doctor Who. I, it's basically uh, Loki colon Doctor Who colon Marvel Cinematic Universe deep dive colon alternate history. Exclamation point. So do you think that this, this alternate Loki eventually oh, comes definitely. back into the mainstream MCU, either in the next Thor film no, or... I, I think the alternate Loki shit makes him tend to the same good Loki that original yeah. Loki became at the end of Thor Ragnarok. Um, mm. I think Loki being in the next Thor movie as well is an inevitability. It's going to be like, yeah. All right. Is that, I think we're I think we're all talked out about one vision. Yeah. <laughs> and everything. 
I talked with for most of that, unsurprisingly. Yeah. Honestly, like I over the years, Magneto has become probably one of my favorite characters in all of comic books. He's up there with like Batman and Ra's al Ghul for me, as a as as a character who is so makes so much sense, right? Like Batman is, is kind of edgy, and you can make the argument that he's a little at too edgy at times. But when he's written well, like to, the Tom King run and Rebirth is the is my favorite run of Batman I've ever read, uh, except for like individual stories. Oh, my favorite one of Bruce Wayne, I should say. But over the years, uh, and I think like Michael Fassbender's portrayal of of him, Ian McKellen's portrayal of him, Magneto is a character that makes so much sense, right? That he would become that way, you know. And getting to see that in the Martin in a, in a Marvel universe where they have never they've never they have not fucked up yet. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, and CK and DC character like Magneto is sort of like. If you can write a good villain and you can write maybe for only the second time a consistent villain, you know, or the third time if you count Loki, I, I, I think it's only a good sign. I think that this is going to be like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe's future was, I think, in I ha I was in a little doubt when they killed off and got rid of a, a, so many of their big characters in Endgame. But like this has sort of given me new hope for sure. All right, uh, when we come back, we'll start talking about this week's main topic. Uh, it's just one this week, uh, but I'm pretty excited about it. We're back for our main topic. This is more of a two-topic thing, because our chit-chat just ended up being about WandaVision. Yeah, it, it kept coming back to WandaVision and how excited we all are. But with this topic, um, this is actually my idea, but it's I'm not uh, helling it. Uh, this is, I'll throw this now to Matt and Kai, uh, who are sharing a shared topic, I guess, this week. This week, Kai and I are talking about anime. And I guess the idea of when anime became mainstream, is that is that still what we're going to focus on? I, You know what? I've been fascinated by when that moment was. Because everybody, we all, like, when did superheroes hit the mainstream? I think a lot of it has to do with the Dark Knight and Iron Man. Those were the two moments. I think that was when everybody started admitting, oh, yeah, I love superheroes. I've always been into comics. Uh, and I think that's when they they did a nut, like that 2010, 2012 moment when Iron Man like lands. That was. I mean, I'd say I it probably started in 2000 when, when the first X-Men movie came out. Um, no, you don't think you don't think it started. Here? I disagree. I disagree because I think it happened when that first generation of kids who uh, was watching, like when parents had to like learn what the hell their kids were talking about, and this whole Avengers craze, and you know, was showing up on lunch boxes and everything. I think that's when those things reached the mainstream. So I feel like there there is that pivotal moment where it reaches a critical mass and i think those two movies specifically iron man and and batman or the dark knight begins i think those were those were pivotal you'd say, in you'd say batman begins or the dark knight which film do you think was the one that that pushed it over the edge like probably dark knight right in 2008 yeah matt i i think that it was that 2008 moment when superheroes dominated the box office and when you dominate the box office you're dominating all the entertainment news. You're dominating the what kids want on their lunchbox and underwear and things like that. So you become a household brand. And that's when 
that's when it really became a household brand. So I'm, I'm wondering, have we reached that moment where anime has become a household brand? Because I still don't see like, I don't see the, the, the Dragon Ball Z, um, like lunch boxes and stuff. Well, you know, Dragon, the Dragon Ball Z, the, the Dragon Ball Z kind of fad has long passed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know how prevalent it was in terms of like its appearance on lunchbox and lunchboxes and and that kind of stuff. I think I think there was a lot of. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of Dragon Ball Z merchandise out there probably in the late '90s, early 2000s. Um, mm. But but more so than that was the Pokemon stuff. I mean, it would really depend on. Like, if we're just talking about something that can qualify as anime, then that's certainly Pokemon. And that was certainly mainstream. Pokemon was everywhere. Um, it's still popular, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's quite as popular as it was there in the late 90s and early 2000s. But if you're talking about, you know, how mainstream is serious anime, like, you know, Attack on Titan and, and that kind of thing... I would say it's probably less so, but I see a lot of Attack on Titan merchandise out there. Um... Like in places like Walmart? Well, I don't... Their little kids' parents are going to be well, like, no, but, I want that This is the thing. Attack on Titan isn't, isn't, for, isn't for kids. It's, 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 it's target audience is an older demographic. Yes. Um, so, so you can't really use whether it appears on lunchboxes as a sign of it being mainstream because it really isn't appealing to those kind of people. So do you think in order for anime to hit the mainstream, it's got to reach the adult audience? I mean, not, maybe not directly. I mean, something like poke. Yeah. Damn. Well, um, this is a, this is a topic for my benefit. So I'll just say, I think something's mainstream when, if you're asked, what'd you do this weekend uh, or what'd you do on Saturday morning? And I say to you, I watched some anime on, I streamed some anime on Crunchyroll. That's when, when, when whoever asked the question doesn't bat their eyes at the answer. Right, but but I means that I, maybe that's the marker of it. But 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 what age group has to be the one that says, "Oh, I just I just watched uh, something on on Crunchyroll this weekend." Like in the late '90s, early 2000s, with Pokemon, you could have probably asked, you know, a, a large group of kids, and most of them would have said, "Yeah, I watched Pokemon." Adults wouldn't have said that. So, is that mainstream or not mainstream? If it's if the age group that's saying I watched it is a bunch of kids, and adults only know it through speaking to kids about it. Does something only hit the mainstream when there's a news report saying a new uh, trend is sweeping the nation and our children are into Pokemans? Like, do, does it, or Dragon Ball Z, uh, do they have to, do they have to say it like that? Like, does there have to be a news report saying what your children are into uh, to sort of do that? And I'm pretty sure they have been um, news reports on it. Hell, Pokemon was in Time Magazine. That's where I learned about the guy who created it. He dropped out of elect electrical engineering college to reverse engineer uh, program the game for 8-bit systems. It was a crazy story. It's really, really fascinating stuff. But, um, Sam, when was the first time you heard about anime? Oh, sorry, I, I shouldn't say anime. When, because um, you grew up with, or you grew up around it, but when was the first time you heard your friends talking maybe, and it was just like, oh yeah, I was watching this thing. And you're just like, oh yeah, 
I've actually heard about that. I'm sorry, let me just say one thing. I mean, I think we also we're sure. talking about when did it become mainstream in North America? Because I mean, if we're talking about when it became mainstream yeah. in Japan, it's been mainstream for a very long time. It's always yeah. been there. Yeah. Anyway, so, continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like a lot of kids growing up uh, in like the early 2000s, I was born in '96. Uh, I like po clicked Pokemon cards, watched Pokemon a lot. The thing is, and I, but more, but even before Pokemon, I was really into Yu Gi Oh! Uh, Digimon, I don't know if Digimon is, is Digimon anime? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Digimon, I was a bigger fan of Digimon than I was of Pokemon. Just a better, better story, more interesting stuff in general. Um, but uh, for me, I, it wasn't anime. It was just a cartoon I'd see on Saturday mornings on Toonami. So I can't mm -hmm. really speak to the anime being mainstream. I can speak to the fact that Digimon, less to a lesser extent, because for a reason I'll get into, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! were big because it wasn't just a show on Saturday mornings on Toonami. It was also a card game. It was also a game of collectibles, uh, right? I could get, like, the, the decks for Yu-Gi-Oh! Or I could get... Because um, of Yu-Gi-Oh! It wasn't a card of something, of a creature you encounter in the show. It was... Because in the in the show, it's also... Yu-Gi-Oh! is also a trading card game. Or a card matching match game, Right? Pokemon was big because it was, and Yu-Gi-Oh was big because the protagonists were ten years old, right? Mm -hmm. And it was only when he went Yami Yugi where Yugi would become like an, a grown adult. Can't believe it's all coming back to me. If my parents listen to this, they're like, "Oh yeah, he's with Yu-Gi-Oh cards." <laughs> but uh, I can't, I can't bet on when the marker. I, I'm not going to say anime isn't mainstream. Especially in nerd culture, it's most definitely mainstream. You know, you can it can be one of your one of the umbrellas you have you one of the coats you wear as a nerd nowadays, especially in North America. But growing up, the the anime that you were, that I was watching, it wasn't considered that it was anime. It wasn't it didn't come into my view because it was anime, right? But that's specific shows, and you can argue that there are only I, I watch Pokemon now, and it's probably the same quality, but it's made for kids. Most definitely, is is Pokemon made for kids? Well, they've right? also altered the animation style. Um, they so, the animation, but like yeah. I, I can look past that. They altered the animation style on Young Justice. I still watch the newest. Oh, season. I just meant they altered the animation style. I think to appeal to kids even more. They made it a little. Uh, they made it a little simpler. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. With that. Well, like, I can't speak to when it became mainstream. I can speak to the fact that it was mainstream because kids, it wasn't, it wouldn't be batted an eye if like, you know, I, I wasn't friends with, if I wasn't friends with a kid, but my mom was friends with his mom. And then I had like my knapsack from school over and we both had Pokemon cards and we get along because we both had Pokemon cards. But that's not, I don't know if that's a marker of mainstream. Right. I mean, everyone, anyone can own an action figure. I own GI Joes. I still didn't watch the GI Joe cartoon, right? And watch the Action Man movies, even though I had an Action Man action figure, great fucking action figure, by the way. But I mean, I think the hardest thing for me in determining when it became mainstream is because generally the people that I would hang around with, people I still hang around with and talk to, are into that kind of thing. I mean, if maybe if they're not into anime, they're into comic books, they're into other things kind of in like nerd culture. And so it can seem like, Hey, look, everybody I talk to knows about this kind of stuff, but it's just, that's just because 
I tend to connect with those kind of people. If I was talking to somebody else who, who wasn't into nerd culture, they may have no idea about it. So it's sometimes I think we get kind of a skewed sense of whether how well something is actually known. Um, so I think that's why it kind of makes it hard for me to say for sure. I, I feel like I feel like once Dragon Ball Z came out, because everybody was talking about Dragon Ball Z. But again, yeah. everybody I talked to was talking about Dragon Ball Z. I don't know about other people. It seemed like it was it was common. I mean, certainly even now you still see merchandise less so, but there's still merchandise even now with Dragon Ball characters on it. Um, I I could that was one. I I'd like to address like the 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 double the elephant in the room of the I think the the thing that maybe addresses this is the weeb the the um the conception of the weeaboo. And if you don't know what that is, if you're listening to this and you don't know what a weeaboo is, like pause, Google it, it's W-E-A-B-O-O. -O. It's essentially someone who is so obsessed with Japanese culture, but is only through the lens of anime and maybe manga to a lesser extent. It's a very, very surface level examination of Japanese culture and a love of it. And like a, like a, like a, kin, a fictive kinship that one creates with it because of their love of an, of an anime. It's also, um, uh, I guess you could say it's whitewashed. Yeah, because well. anime is a very scrubbed down. Version. Yeah. So uh, I think so. This, the self-aware weave is one of is the best way to get into anime. You know, guys like Kai. You know, um, other people I know uh, who I don't know if they want to be talked about on this podcast, so I want to say their names. Who I know that are very aware of their love of anime and aware that it has affected how they look at Japanese culture and what have you. But I, I, people who aren't aware, who aren't aware of it, kept it, who aren't aware of their weebiness, have kept, ha, check out the subreddit Weeboo Tales. <laughs> Weeboo Tales, it's hilarious. The people who aren't aware of it have gatekeeped the, the, the fame, to say the least. But- Anime gatekeeping is a big- Yeah, you no. Know, God, we could have a whole podcast about fucking gatekeeping and toxicity in Star Wars. Yeah, I was, was going to say, every yeah. genre has its own gatekeepers. Yeah. yeah. But I'd love to get in on that conversation. Yeah. But my, my point being that there is a certain, with anime, it's different. There's a certain different, there's a level of intensity. And when, when, you're, when the fans of something look a certain way and they are intense in a certain way, that will inevitably keep people out of it. And it will keep that thing from becoming mainstream. Video games became mainstream when they started adapting them to shitty-ass movies, right? So you can go back as far. Video games have been mainstream since the 80s, right? You know? The fact that someone who bought an Atari... The fact when someone who brought an, uh, an, N64, an N64 whenever, well, when it came out, is now in their 50s or 60s and just bought the PS5, right? And they're now playing games with their grandkids and they're fucking, like one shot get good scrub like their grandkids like that's video games are mainstream that's not within that's not yeah. <laughs> good scrub um what you make the argument that anime was mainstream when it got ruined with a shitty whitewashed uh movie that got made with dragon ball evolution you know just terrible because i thought it was a movie that could be watched and my mom saw it and my mom, who spent many years living in Japan, was well aware of like the, how big Dragon Ball Z was. Um, who knew, like we say, we are Canadians, we say Zed, but this is Dragon Ball Z. And my, and watching that, she's right. Uh, my mom like walked away with such disappointment in her eyes. But 
I don't know. I think like maybe if I maybe if I hadn't been born in Japan, maybe if my parents weren't so engrossed in Japanese culture, I would be have been a fan of anime um, and manga. But like, I think when something what you can't really the marker of when something becomes mainstream is a very mutable thing, and I think it just becomes like when did it become to come to a point where two two nerds, people who who are nerds, may not have anything in common except anime, and they can bond over that much of the same way that the four, three of us bond over Star Wars and Star Trek. I don't know where that marker is with anime because anime, frankly, anime hits different. Star Wars and Star Trek are cultural icons, right? You can't, I don't think you can say yet that anime is a mainstay of culture, right? Well, it's it's not, something can be mainstream without reaching the level of Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is an extreme example of, I mean, that's like, that's like uber okay, mainstream. I think, yeah. I, okay, so maybe this will maybe elaborate my point a little better in a different direction. Um, I think Firefly is more niche than anime. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yes. Right. Like, I won't bat an eye if you say I watch anime on the reg. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bat an eye if somehow we end up talking about job. We talk about the Avengers movies, and you as a Firefly fan, being Firefly fan, come around to Firefly shouldn't have been canceled. I watch it all the time. I'm like, and I'd be, and I'm, and I say that like, you fucking watch Firefly that much. You watch five, you watch one season of TV. One TV that you, one season of yeah. TV that is so no, good that you watch it more than once. Like fucking the first season of Smallville it slaps. Like it's not that good though. Like the first season of a TV the first season of a TV show regularly sucks, right? Like first season of Star Trek compared to like season like four, five, six is like of next generation is unwatchable compared to later seasons. The only episode of the first season of Next Gen that I watch is uh, Encounter of Farpoint. That's the only one I really rewatch. Um, maybe the last episode, The Neutral Zone. Maybe. Uh, and there's the episode where Tasha Yar dies, but I don't even remember the name. Um, basically, as we've said before, if, they're, if they don't have callers, then the, the episode of Next Gen is going to be questionable. Once they have callers, they know that it's going to be good. Or if, yeah, if Riker has a beard, yes, um, that's an, yeah, that's about yes. If, uh, if I can see the outline, with these facts. If I can see the outline of uh, uh, of a Lavar Burton's um, uh, Hydro Spanner, then, <laughs> then uh, maybe I won't, maybe I shouldn't watch it. What's what, what's funny is though Insurrection, which is probably my least favorite Next Generation film, Riker shaves his beard. Oh. Coincidence? I think not. It's, that's where all the magic is. The yeah. character depends on his beard. Yeah. The character depends on uh, Anyways, his we're back. getting way off topic here. <laughs> but no, Sam, you make a really good point. Um, and I think, oh, before, before I say that, I want to say um, we forgot one very important property uh, in this yes. discussion, that is Sailor Moon, because that was also a very big player in bringing uh bringing anime into a day-to-day -day into people's homes and that style so like i never watched it all the way through i think i will but still it's pretty it was a pretty important show on in in regards to that but still people um won't really consider that as i don't know like it's i know every, almost every woman i speak to um Loved that show, but if you were to ask her whether she was an anime fan, I don't know if they would say Moon, yes. And same with guys, same with guys who loved Dragon Ball. Like 
a lot of them will say, yeah, man, I love Dragon Ball. I'll be like, cool, you, what other animes you watch? They'll be like, other anime? And it's just like, ah, oh, that's, it's a little sad, but at the same time, it, it's, it is part of the... I mean, the, I think the, the programming block that, that Cartoon Network, it was Cartoon Network that used to have Toonami, right? I believe so. At least in America. I mean, we didn't, uh, I think now we get Cartoon Network here, um, but, but we didn't before. Um, but I think when there were programming blocks like Toonami devoted to anime, I think you could maybe... I think it was, I think Toonami would air on, that's right, I'm going to shout it out. Toonami would air on YTV okay. for me in Canada. Shout out YTV. So when, when you had channels that had programming blocks devoted to anime, like YTV did, like Cartoon Network did, um, and again, it's around that same time, late 90s, early 2000s, um, if I had to say when it maybe if it wasn't mainstream then it certainly was on its way to becoming mainstream yeah so that, that and i still don't understand when that moment like i'm still wondering if there was a definitive moment where suddenly it was cool to watch anime like who was the first celebrity to shout out anime uh what was the first um i mean hell whoa black swan was an homage to uh, Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kon, which was uh, epic, epic. I know that, but I, I, I could throw back to, I could throw back to some to a little deeper like history, like much in the same way that we talked about last week, the DCAU being so core to so many people, and that being why they were later into and loved watching The Dark Knight, and um, hopefully to get into some other like live action superhero DC that comes along later, but all definitely all the live action uh, or cartoon DC stuff that's been animated since like the, the Tim verse, like Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly and all of them, all that ended, you know, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor and Michael Rosenbaum as uh, Wally West, the flash. The argument could be made that it, it's so big because, you know, if you're watching the programming blocks, Toonami came on TV. What else? I can't remember anything else that was on Cartoon Network or Toonami or YTV at the time when I was a kid that was hearing new other than Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh. I can't remember. And when it was earlier, it was probably anime, you know? Um, that's, that's just my two cents on, you know, maybe why it's a little bigger, a little more like core to the, the nerd identity of folks of a certain age. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was certainly a shift in terms of, um, what was airing in those in those blocks? I mean, like when I was really young, I mean those those blocks were taken up with like cartoons like like Ninja Turtles or live action shows like Power Rangers. And Power Rangers is still on, and it's still in different programming mm -hmm. blocks. But but later on, you'd see like those those blocks would be comprised of like Shaman King and Yu Gi Oh and Pokemon and Digimon, and and th they got more of a focus on anime. Um, so I feel like in that sense, there were certainly more people watching anime than there were before. Um, I will, I will also uh, submit, however, that people who are, who were born from like 93 to 99 occupy an odd generational space. Cause we remember those nineties shows like the Batman, the animated series, um, mm -hmm. the Timverse, all of those very core to our like childhood. But we also do remember like the Spider-Man from earlier that era, 
we remember like Power Rangers being very popular. Um, we remember like DBZ Boss. and uh, I say DBZ, even though it's DBZ, uh, DBZ and uh, what's the looking for? Naruto, not Naruto, sorry, Digimon and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh being very, very important to our viewing experience, but also the early 90s stuff. You know, it'd be interesting to ask like a, a, an anime fan who's like 20 or younger between 16 and 20. Like, how did you get into anime? Right. More likely it's like an older cousin mm -hmm. or an older family friend or what have you getting them into something like that. Right. Becomes more likely that they get, that their kids got, them, that their parents yeah. got them into it. My nephew, he is 10 years old now. Uh, one of the first things that he like watched the boy grow up, he went from, um, from Thomas to Diego and Dora, and now he's, uh, and then he got into things like Bakugan Battle um, What is it? It was so Bakugan, and no, that yeah, there you go. Oh, game I fucking is that the game with the Dude, okay, all the plastic rings, but yeah, I don't so know how. I think it's my mom sent it were... to her from Japan, but I got a Beyblade with a metal ring. I fucking wrecked some yeah, kids Beyblades because I had a metal ring and they all had kids. plastic. Bro, I had that thing till I was like 17. But for, for real, my, my nephew still, like, he still has all that stuff at home. And, like, that was his introduction to it. But then I, it, I like, I put one day I put on a, I was watching a Baruto anime. And he's like, what's this? And I started him on Naruto. And, and now, like, I'm getting him... Like I'm, I'm can't wait for him to get into My Hero Academia once he's done with his Naruto craze. His birthday party, I got to, I got to do a Naruto themed birthday party, guys. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, like that's that's what it is now. So it's the passing on. So for I think for my my nephew's generation, anime is going to be very mainstream. That's going to be the thing. Um, well, I gave I, my little cousin. Well, not to be a, not to be now. Kind of I think he's ready pessimistic, to but so I gave him. You know, like social media now. The obviously kids who are like turning people, kids who are turning eighteen, who will turn eighteen in 20, 2021, grew up with in a, in a post Facebook generation, a post MySpace generation. I should say, two thousand. They're born in like two thousand three. So kids turning 18 in 2021, I'm getting the sense that nerd shit is almost going to, is may fall out of favor in the next couple of years. Really? And just be, you know, back into like the, the, in, the shallowness and popularity that, you know, TV shows of the early 2000s and late and movies of the late nineties are constantly portrayed. I'm just getting that sense maybe, but this is maybe not. So to the point where maybe we may see anime fall out of the mainstream. Because it is, I don't doubt that it is in the mainstream at this very moment. But I mean, you know, it's possible. I think right now, though, it's more mainstream than it's ever been. Like, I, I think there's the, the, the number of people watching Attack on Titan and talking about Attack on Titan, the number of people watching My Hero Academia, Academia or looking for My Hero Academia manga. I mean, these are huge. Yeah. Um. So I think I think the trajectory is actually going up. I think things might get. Although, I mean, again, it does depend on the quality of what's being released. Uh, if there isn't something else as, as well written as Attack on Titan, then, you know, maybe uh, interest will decline a bit. But yeah. I, I see things going up, popularity increase. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. Um, and I think, I think we're very close to 
eventually, I think that anime studios are going to start um, really mm. challenging Disney and Pixar on the big screens. Um, Pokemon the movie made it to theaters, and I think that once um, once they realize the beauty of anime, that it's going to stop becoming such a, a niche, and it's going to swell to a bigger audience. And I think the young the young people and the, the young people as they grow up are going to be like, well, wait a second, where's my Pokemon movie? Um, we keep getting all this Pixar stuff. Two other cartoons I didn't even think of that were coming on TV when I was a kid. Young Justice was coming on when I was a little older, like a teenager, and still watching it. But this wasn't as big, you know. Things became, uh, you know, sports and, you know, school mm-hmm. take higher priority at that age, at least in the in the British curriculum where I grew up. Uh, but uh, two other cartoons I watched were the Teen Titans, right, and Avatar: The Last Airbender. Both were traditionally, you know, heavier quotes, traditional animated, like Western animation style. But they had certain anime-like moments, right? With the big, like, oh, like the big reactions and like, you know, anger lines and shit and what have you, or that that weird anime reference they have with when uh, Appa and Momo fight with katanas and uh, <laughs> an Appa three, right? The showdown and that that is, that is very anime. That is a very right. anime. They have the showdown. And then uh, also with like obviously Teen Titan stuff, maybe you could point to there. Mm-hmm as being maybe a hallmark of how it became mainstream because it's it's anime is now viewed as a separate medium of entertainment all entire a separate medium entirely to traditional like 2d animation to the point where we can now make things and then take from anime and people not really bat an eye because i watched that as when i think back to watching when the first when I first watched Avatar The Last Airbender, the first season came out when I was like nine or ten. Um, I have to check on when it came out. But when, you, when I think about that stuff, I don't think of that as anything just... I think of that as just being the show, not it being, oh, they're pulling this shit from anime. No, I think that's just part of the show. I think when I see that stuff, scenes like, mm-hmm. like or moments like that in anime, you know, in the, in the off time between topics in this episode, I talked about how I, I watched the first episode of One Piece. And again, I'm not going to enjoy the show, so I'm not going to watch it. But it's, you know, I see certain, when they do those big reaction shots and such, like they do in anime, you know, like, uh, or, you know, the unrealistic physics or what have you. Um, not, even the fact, not even the fact that he's made of rubber somehow. I don't, that's not what I bat an eye at. What I bat an eye at is the fact that it's just, it just seems like this is boring to me. It's not, or it's not boring to me. It's just not compelling, I should say. You know what? I think that's another key aspect of anime itself is the genres, subgenres of anime, and how some of its heaviest hitters are what's known as shonen, which are basically just stories that take forever to tell. Uh, <laughs> it's true, dude. It's true. They and but the thing is, I think it's also um, uh, it's also tied into. A cultural ethos of why those stories are told a certain way so the whole you know uh, Japanese culture is very um, very like on point with do your best no matter what your job is you do your best um, if you're you know fixing air conditioners you be you better work to be the best air conditioner fixer you can possibly be 
and then people will acknowledge you regardless of what your job is. That I mean, that's I'm, I'm assuming that's what. Um, like I don't know that 100%. This is sort of what I've pieced together from, you know, reading up on Japanese culture. So I apologize if I'm being a total weeb. Uh, I, and it's true. I, and I totally could be. And I'm and I and I apologize for that. But that I think is part of the the development of anime and possibly why it's still a bit um, it's still a bit niche yet. And if it hasn't broken into the mainstream here, it's about that whole uh, cultural aspect of like when you think that, about the hero's journey, story, the Western of, of the, the of, conception of, of the hero's journey is almost identical, not just in Western stuff. It is identical to mythology from arguably like the Indian subcontinent mm -hmm. East or West, sorry, like Japan. Jap the Japanese hero hero's journey is very different. Like I, the the story that occurs in when you think if you boil everything down to themes mm. and events in like Star Wars, and you take Luke Skywalker as the hero, is a very typical hero's journey, right? Arguably, it's you could argue in I'd argue it's it's identical to everything from Hamlet to um, Odysseus, right? Yes. My point being that. As you say, there are there are separate cultural things or Japanese culture that are not balked at mm -hmm. like they are in Western culture, in certain Western cultures, right? So as a perfect example is what kept me from watching more SAO Sora Online after the King. I watched I watched a fair bit of anime in my not, not a fair bit. First episode of One Piece. A little bit of Naruto, a fair amount of Pokemon, but that's because it was Pokemon. And I haven't watched any of it recently. Um, Charmander! Char! Charmander! Christ, the shit out of me. Uh, a lot of um, the first season of Attack on Titan and uh, the, fir the, the two, first two seasons of SAO, to the conclusion of like the fairy thing. And the, me the reason I shut it off halfway through the fairy arc is because the main character... Or the sister of the main character, who's or who, who is his adopted sister and his actual cousin, is falling in love with him, and she knows it's her adopted brother, also his her cousin. And I get, you know, I've had I, I spoke to my parents about this because they fucking live in Japan for seven and five years respectively. I, I get that it's a cultural thing, that maybe there is something in the mix that I'm not getting because I'm not Japanese. Fine. That that still doesn't mean I'm going to watch it because it's still going to be so fucking foreign to me, right? That's the point of the incest in Game of Thrones. It's not supposed to be something you come to support. It's supposed to be a way to always bring you back that these people are wrong, that it is, an, it is the, the wrong thing to do is to fuck your twin sibling, right? And when I'm watching, when I watch that shit in an anime, it's going to come back to me much in the same way as when uh, I don't care if it's a cultural thing of to shove your fingers up, you know, your underlings, but you don't do that's that's like in they do that in Naruto and it's fucking gross and weird and like fine. It's a part of them. It's a part of it. It's 
it's not not meant anything by it. I understand all that. That doesn't change the fact that watching it and seeing it is fucking gross to me. I, I guess we can sum up what what we're what we're saying here is just yeah, like there's a there can there, there there can be elements at play that like just don't resonate with uh, an audience on the other side of the world. And so that could be something that has has um, made it more difficult for anime to become mm-hmm. mainstream. I will also say that. Uh, for a long time, like before streaming really took off, there the only ways you could really watch anime were either to buy the DVDs, and that cost like you 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 would spend like thirty bucks on one disc that would have like four episodes on it. Um, and so it, it, in that respect, it was very cost prohibited prohibitive yeah. uh, to watch a lot of different shows because it was expensive to. Uh, and and really certainly when streaming took off, it became easier to watch uh, a, a lot of these different shows. And so I think that helped also expand its its mainstream popularity. So, but maybe maybe it's also, you know, certain shows where you get into like Beyblade and Bakugan Battle Brawlers and Digimon and, or not Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh! And actually, yeah, Digimon and Pokemon, because they all had like some sort of, you know, physical retail merchandise aspect you could get and enjoy. And it wasn't just something to have. It was like I could bat, I could Beyblade duel, I could fight with my battle roller, I could duel with cards on Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon or Digimon. So maybe it's maybe it's that. That's why those ones were specifically those specifically were more popular. With the others, I think Kai is right to a certain extent when you when you bring up the genres, because how could if if there if there is something that you have blanket called anime because that is the style in which it is animated there is half as there are half as many frames of animation that's the big difference there is uh, it is based in Japanese it is you know it is, it is animated a certain way to so action scenes they look Eat extremely lot. fast and deadly and um, there can be you can focus on making a beautiful scene of art and putting putting sound behind it and you don't have to waste more time and money animating that beautiful art scene. I understand all that. But that that is if you could if you had to boil down the hallmarks of anime or what makes something anime. That's why like Avatar the Last Airbender isn't anime even though it has certain anime aspects in it. The the yeah, but, but the whole but the the ethos behind anime is that it is That's a blanket a term how to describe just a Jap animation coming out of Japan. I don't think enough consideration goes into the fact that there there are multiple different genres mm-hmm. inside of anime. There's shonen. There's whatever Sword Art Online is. There's whatever Attack on Titan is. There is Attack on Titan is a serious adult TV show that just happens to be animated. Anime is merely a medium, much in the way film is. I can watch a, I can watch a movie like The Boys, and I can watch a movie like The Lincoln. They're both films, but they have nothing in common, right? Uh, uh, something like intense and spiritual and deep like spirited away is anime but so is naruto so is one piece where he can like he ate some magic fruit so now he's made of rubber uh but that means like and shatter when they hit him but wouldn't he yep. just like bend around them like mr fantastic <laughs> why do they shatter this makes no sense to me like <laughs> but this is my point that's my point have to things should make sense there should be some sort of but like explain yourself i'm not i as a viewer i understand like suspension of disbelief healthy to suspension of disbelief especially especially when watching something like 
animation in a like or fa fantasy animation or fan something fantastical. But past up to a certain point, that's fine. But past the point, like I'm watching it and I'm like, my suspension of disbelief can only go so far. Right? Maybe that's because I haven't been watching it since I was a kid. You know, like you can make all the arguments. I only accept the suspension of disbelief in like a show like Young Justice or Avatar because it's easier, or because with Young Justice, it's characters you know and love and you've been growing with since I was a kid, especially because they're DC characters, which I've had since I was a kid. But that doesn't change the fact that there are certain things apart that about anime that keep people from watching them. Right? The art style is too foreign, is not a reason. You know, the, the, the mm -hmm. dubbing or subs, subs versus dubs is not a reason. A reason is that it doesn't make sense to me. And there's a thick layer of Japanese culture around anime. And that keeps people from watching it. Because there's a point where understanding becomes not wanting to watch it because it do doesn't just make sense. It's weird. And someone falling in love with their brother, adopted brother slash cousin, is fucking weird. You know, even if that is something that can be explained away through a cultural context. Are, are you saying that in your opinion, then anime isn't mainstream and be, and it's not mainstream? I think, the, these things? I think calling all anime and saying, say, taking all anime, lumping it in a room and saying anime is mainstream is incorrect. Okay. I think saying that anime is a mainstream medium, but like Shonen is not mainstream. Attack on Titan, whatever that genre is, that's mainstream. Whatever genre... Whatever the Miyazaki style is of the Miyazaki films, Miyazaki films are undoubtedly mainstream. You know, they're nominated for Oscars every fucking time one is made. That's mainstream. The Oscars is the definition of mainstream. You know? Like, but that doesn't mean that Naruto is mainstream. The fact that I can't get more episodes of I would Naruto, say Naruto is mainstream. It may be mainstream anime, but it is not. But Naruto in and of itself as a, mainstream TV, in as a television program is not mainstream. CSI is not is is mainstream, but it's also shit. Maybe that's not the best example. But like, my point is that anime is too blanket a term. Yeah. Well, if you if you could read, you're saying you anime redefine anime, but to be, shows, I don't call yeah. Young Justice a cartoon. I call Young Justice a DC television show with young with adult themes that is perfect for kids to introduce those themes to them. I don't. The fact that it is a cartoon is not a reason to not watch Young Justice. Okay, the fact so, that anime is, is animated is not a reason to not watch it. So let, let, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Would you say that science fiction is, is, is or isn't mainstream? And like, like, would you say that science fiction maybe then isn't mainstream, but Star Wars is? Or certain science fiction shows are, but, the, but science fiction as a whole maybe isn't as popular as certain things like reality TV or things like that? I don't know. I hate to speak in more platitudes, but like if I can pitch a TV, a, a TV show to a studio, to a, like a, a mainstream like TV network and it get made that and, it, and it's and it's science fiction. Then it's science fiction is undoubtedly mainstream. I think Star Wars did that. You know, Star Trek did that. My argument is that you can't umbrella term a lot of stuff. If you take like Babylon 5, Star Trek Discovery, and Firefly are all science fiction, even Star Wars. People, there's the argument to be made that Star Wars is a space opera, it's space fantasy. No, it's science fiction. It takes place in space, it's science fiction. Uh, aliens, science fiction. Terminator, science fiction. Mm -hmm. 
science fiction as a genre is undoubtedly mainstream, but now I think anime needs to be re redefined as a medium. I think it, it, mm -hmm. I, in defense of anime, it is reductive to say all anim anime is not mainstream, right? It is reductive to say that. I think it is equally reductive to put a Miyazaki film on the level with Naruto saying, believe it, and doing like weird shit with his hands. It is, you can't put those on the same level. You can't put that shitty Avengers movie from the late 80s. Yeah, but I would agree on that they the can't same put on the same level Avengers in terms of quality. But I would say there's probably just as many, if not more, people who know that, believe it, um, than know uh, certain Miyazaki films. Okay, maybe that's the wrong way of coming. Maybe it's the wrong direction. Maybe we're, I'm coming at it from the wrong direction, like me, Sam. But uh, anime, heavy air quotes, is not a genre of animation. It is a medium. Much in the, every in the same way film is. I can make Pixar. I can make a movie like Sausage Party, and I can make a movie like Soul. Both are computer generated, computer animated films. They are not. They don't exist in the same space. Right. Yeah. Right. What musical drama? One is a musical dramedy, and the other is fucking Sausage Party. Right. They're both computer. But they're both computer generated animation. No. That's why I keep yeah. coming back to Naruto. I, I don't deny that people maybe the maybe the Avengers movie from the late 80s and early 90s. No, not maybe. It was a bad example, a bad equivalency between that and Naruto. Naruto is undoubtedly popular. People like it for whatever reason they have. I don't say I'm not saying that's a bad thing. For for every listener who key, who is still listening despite the fact that I may have angered them. I'd say this Oh hell yes! I'm a dumb, I cried at his wedding. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I cried at his wedding. Hey man, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. Naruto is the anime version of Harry Potter. So, so I don't have science fiction is mainstream because let's superhero movies are undoubtedly science fiction. And when you get Method Man in your fucking Luke Cage TV show, like I think I think I think superhero movies are pretty fucking mainstream. Like I don't think I don't think whether science fiction yeah. is up is mainstream is up, right? Like I I like I have I I just never had the time. Maybe I'll watch it now. I have watched enough episodes interspersed throughout my life of Cowboy Bebop. To know it is it is science fiction. Hey, we first forgot about Cowboy second. Bebop. That was a show that went, right? that was that was pretty big and probably threw a lot of people. Uh, you know, another. So I was trying to. I'm, I'm, still, I'm always trying to convince Kai to watch Critical Role. Another reason to watch it. Uh, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who was in Cowboy Bebop, uh, has long, uh, long ties to Critical Role. Has been in a bunch of times, and her hut, her partner and fiance Steve Bloom voice of Amon in uh, after the last yeah, Airbender, a lot of was, all, was the main guy in Cowboy Bebop if I can't remember yeah Steve, Steve Bloom we love you okay we're gonna make a deal here on we're gonna make a deal here on air right now me and you I'm calculating something uh you already know no. the answer to this but well, let me continue uh, by saying that I would watch no. The question may be, we ultimately come to the same conclusion every time the question is phrased wrong. Anime isn't main, anime is a, anime is a mainstream medium, you know? And that is one cannot deny. I think that yeah. maybe a redefinition 
of what anime of anime genres and maybe uh for the sake of viewership not for the sake of the reading of the create the creativity process but for the sake of viewership perhaps narrowing the genres a little bit you know i watch a scene from bleach as opposed to a scene from naruto both have martial arts both have weaponry um but both have fighting scenes and such but bleach to me seems a hell of a lot more dramatic there is a bit of poo-pooing of new anime and of watching anime that is that is sort of post as post mainstream anime like i watched uh castlevania oh, blood, and, of like, blood of the gods in on on netflix but of zeus sorry they are anime they are netflix anime series but that doesn't but for me i fucking i blood, blood of zeus was meh to me but castlevania they're making like three more seasons of it thank god it is so fucking good and but i don't watch it because it's anime and i didn't come to it i wasn't resistant to it because it was anime i was resistant to it because of castle because of castlevania right and like as a fan as a big fan of like the og like bram stoker dracula shit um even even though i have yet to read the, the book dracula in its entirety and my dad's listening to now and he's so angry but sorry dad but like i like i loved it i love castlevania i've re-watched the entire all of the i re-watched the first season immediately after it came out and i've re-watched everything that's come out every time a new season has come out and then like two weeks ago i just re-watched all of it you know like six months after season three came out it's so fucking good and but there are level there's levels to this shit right to quote Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, it's about what was approachable, maybe, and that's what makes it mainstream. I've become very passionate about this now. Um, what were we gonna? What? How? What was? What was this bet we were gonna make, Kyle? Okay, so how many hours of critical um, role exist? Of critical role exist. So, so let's stick with um, campaign one. Campaign stats. I'm on crit role stats right now. So from here, I'll say shout out Crit Roll Stats. They have all this shit, um, all of the time attendance, all the running times. So we're on total run, run times. There's also uh, so full gameplay time of campaign one, 447 hours, 39 minutes, 45 seconds. For the for campaign one. Okay. Uh, I roughly and probably lowballed it, but um, one beginning of time. stands at, let's say, 22 episodes. Uh, sorry, 22 minutes an episode uh, times 950 episodes comes to roughly about 350 okay. hours. But yeah, but Critical Role held. My, so Critical Role, here's the thing. So Critical Role came along <laughs> a time in my life where I had I had just finished my second year university, and uh, I was like, it was April 2017 when I encountered it. Two years into their runtime, to went to their airing. And I watched it, and I loved it. And I watched it fast. I watched my first episode of the day episode 90 aired. And I watched all 99 episodes. I was able to watch episode 100 live. Okay. And I, I, I was not working. I had just finished okay. like my that year of university, finished my finals, all that shit. So <laughs> when you yep. – I, I am not doubting That's that fine. it is certainly possible. To watch all of it, my but it is not about watchability. It is about or it is about my individual enjoyment. Critical Role is different. 
it hits different, right? I, I totally agree. I totally agree. What I'm trying to get at is that the way the shows are watched, the way that the, sh the way anime is enjoyed is very different. And so I did not care for, um, for One Piece, but the fans that, that I met were so passionate about it that I gave it a shot. And it takes time to, like, that's the one thing. For some reason, Shonen anime, it takes a while before you hit that moment where you're like, oh, now I know why it's good. And it, yeah, One Piece is a hard watch to get into, but I would say that if you're Argu willing to put in arguably, the time... Like, this is actually something, let's... you bring up something interesting fact about Critical Role, and this is a big part of the reason that I haven't gotten into a lot of anime. A big part of the reason that a lot of people don't watch, people who came to Critical Role during Campaign 2, which is the current campaign, the Mighty Nine which has just celebrated its third year anniversary. Um, a big part of the reason that people haven't watched campaign one and they've watched all of campaign two because they've watched it live because they came to it with campaign two and campaign one has 115 four hour episodes plus specials. Right. And you're for the first 45, 50 episodes, you're dealing with like early years of geek and sundry Twitch quality. Right. And so the qual there is a quality question. Yeah. Aside from that, though, it is the length. And that is what keeps a lot of people from watching anime. It, it kept, it was, I had to be convinced by you how many times over the months and years that you and I have known each other, kind the year I think we've known each other. Wow. No, I think so it's long. been two years. Uh, been two years. year and a half now. Um, I'll close two years now. Two years? No, yeah, it's cool. Like the two years, years now. Two years, Kyle and I have known each other. Yeah. Known each other. You've been trying to get me to watch anime from Naruto, not even anime, Naruto for most of that. I finally watched it. Uh, just, and despite the length, I watched as many as I could before I just, it was, on. it became to a point where I could not, I was not enjoying it, so I stopped watching. I'm not going to say it's unwatchable, because it is not, not it is not unwatchable. Yeah. So, but that, that keeps people from watching. So I think that is a big problem with some anime. You've put out 20, you put out an episode a week for nine months and then you for like six months then you take six months off and you release another episode every week for six months and blah 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 back and forth so we're saying 26 episodes a year for however many fucking years like you you can't tell me that that's going to create a barrier it's easier for me to get into young after the last airbender after the last airbender there's less than 100 episodes and they're and it's packed there's no filler in there's in western animation there's filler in anime. And yes, and, and Matt has made this point. Yeah. They, they, a lot of these shows are having a catch up to the, the manga, and then they are filling in the blanks until a, a manga comes along. There's a blooming of good episodes. Like the very fact that you have to release watch guides for certain TV shows. For all, I think for every TV show now, plus five or six, that's plus five seasons, five plus seasons or long, has a watch list. Right, I when I rewatch Smallville, I have the all ten seasons on DVD. I have entire discs I skip because they're utterly unimportant to to uh, to what's it called to watch during a rewatch of it. Right, same with Supernatural. I haven't resumed my watch of Supernatural because for the most part, my friends have said don't watch past season seven. It sucks then, and I'm like, it gets good. That's what I've heard about that you show. Know, I'm not saying it's not I like I. I, I struggled past season four and it just, it's just like so episodic. Oh, it gets better. But like everyone who says it gets better past a certain point, it's like, then you're, 
then it's not good. If it's not good enough for me to watch the early shit, I'm not going to watch it at all. There's so many, you know, if there's like, you know, Naruto, watch episodes one through 23 of season one, then skip to episode 47, then watch 47, 49 and 53, and then watch episodes 56 to 72. And then it's just like, <laughs> oh, that was very, that was very intense, very long. But my point being, well, I, I would, uh, I would, what, what the fuck? If this, if there's gotta be, here's the thing. This is the same problem with Game of Thrones. If there's gonna, if you have to rush the ending or there's gotta be filler, then you don't make the show. Why did young, you know what? The thing with Avatar, the Last Airbender, or Young Justice. Or there's they're so fucking good because well, there is I mean, no goddamn. When they're filler. making shows like Dragon Ball, they do there is an in-between choice. They could make the show, then when they run out of manga, take it off the air for a bit, like 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 the end of a season and bring it back once they have more manga. But I guess they're they're afraid they'll lose, they'll lose an audience. Uh, yeah, but look at a show like Attack on Titan, they don't, don't they don't make filler. Don't there was like there was like three four years funny. between seasons okay. one and two. That's and yeah, that's why I felt like probably a, but it's, it's a thing. It's probably a better and more enjoyable viewing experience. What is a higher quality show? A a show that airs for 10 episodes or what regardless of like swearing, nudity, HBO versus or cable versus network a, 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 if you take two shows and you pitch identical shows, it's going to be better if it airs on HBO for 10 10 one-hour episodes as opposed to on uh, NBC, NBC well, I would say the perfect example of that, even though it's not on HBO, episodes. is compare Sherlock to Elementary. Yeah. My dad loves Sherlock, or my dad loves Elementary, and I don't fucking get why. It's so fucking um, boring to me. I, Sorry, Dad. <laughs> like, about Sherlock, Sherlock is an is an infinitely rewatchable show. Shout out Lars Mikkelsen. Please yeah. take her on. He plays uh, Magnuson in the seasons. He's the villain. Very good. Well, and and I think that that is what you're watching for. I think the way you're watching anime is is also going to be uh, like you know what to expect. Like when I first started watching One Piece, I really hated it. I, w I watched 40 episodes and I said, this show is going nowhere. And I said, F it. And I just had friends who were constantly on me like, no, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Also, I love I do love binge watching really long shows. Like I love to deep dive and, and discover what I've been missing kind of. So that's also a sickness I have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just, I think the way in which shows are watched. So I think at like a show like Naruto will probably pick up more fans when fans can actually sit in a platform and just burn through episode after episode after episode. And I think that helps. Uh, that that is a definitely yeah, but a. Is it a good show if you didn't you? So you, I understand how you watch the show. You put it on and nothing. You had it on the background while you do other shit, and you you didn't really sit down and pay attention until yep. it got good. I understand that. And that's not what my that's not my gripe. Is I'm about to go on this little tangent, this diatribe, not tangent. If you have to watch forty episodes, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, good, it's not a good show. You have to get. Yeah, it's a good show. Okay, 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 point taken. Okay, okay, if it takes, okay, but 
Well, no, I think I think I think this goes back okay. to the point you made before. Uh, no. It's one thing oh. if there's a block oh. of episodes that once you get past, it's all good, which is essentially Star Trek: The Next Generation. But a lot of these animes, especially these shonen animes, there's a block you have to get through, then it's good. Then there's another block you got to get through that's not good. Then it's kind of good. Then there's another block you got to get through that, and that can be, yeah. There is a difference. Okay, yeah. how's this? There is a difference between hitting your yeah. stride in a show. You know, season ones are notoriously the worst mm -hmm. seasons of shows, or the very best. But on, on average, the best season of a show is season. Okay. Two. I can certainly see that for a lot of comedies. I think of a, I think of my favorite shows. Whether it's a, whether it's How I Met Your Mother, uh, my favorite shows by far are How I Met Your Mother, Out for the Last Airbender. Smallville and uh, I'm gonna say Daredevil, right? The best seasons of each of those shows are season two. So, uh, so, but my point being, there's a difference between hitting your stride and having constant missteps interspersed with beautiful dancing. I, I see your point, definitely. And I think anime fans expect that slow burn, that really slow climb into the thing because now i'm on episode what 900 and something of of one piece and i can't wait for the next episode now like i really like they've they've actually gotten to the point where i'm even more excited than i've been ever watching that show and i'm so glad i hung in uh, in there and i think that's one of the things about anime is that it will because we're supposed to get those connections like those deep connections like harry potter fans have that they'll it, it's a slow burn you want to see these these characters grow over time yeah. and you want to see them you know hell some of them even have kids which doesn't happen yeah, a lot in western kids. stories and those kids become a um, part of the know, story we don't get to see just like they have a and they grow yeah. up and some of them even I, take over that, the show you know um i mean we're now just after how many decades uh almost a century of superman he's now finally married and has a kid regularly in the regular universe so that's an same with batman yeah. he after how many decades is he but you could argue that, have a kid Dick that and plays a jason and tim are life. also his sons but i see your point and and that's the thing anime has that sort of long it's one of the things i liked about um, dragon ball like fans off as a little kid sort of see that um long, and long you know his, his, his grandfather's just passed so at the very beginning he doesn't really have anywhere yeah. anybody then he meets bulma and krillin and yamcha and by the end like there's like this whole extended family i mean he's got kids his, his gohan has a kid i mean it's just interesting seeing life's the, the you know their, their life journey yeah um I don't really think we got any closer to when did anime become yeah. mainstream, but we did once again uh, decide to reformulate the question, <laughs> as we often no. we often do. I think that I think maybe maybe oh, oh. when I would boil it down to actually to answer this question, what was the first Miyazaki film you remember? What is the first thing you remember that is anime? That just so happens to be anime for me. It's Digi it's it's actually before Digimon. It's Yu-Gi-Oh, and that's your answer. I think maybe it's one of those things that uh, in the West we, you know, what did what were when the seventies and eighties? What were the Japanese most well known for? Producing electronics, right? And 
maybe as a part of that, we ended yeah. up inherit we inherited a lot of their their culture. You know, the weeb is a little older than we think. Uh, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's as simple as if the you you know we have memories as we were from yeah. when we were children of things that happened to be anime and that we just didn't really conceive of it as a separate thing. We conceived of it as a cartoon we watched or a or a very spiritual, very beautiful mm. film with a Miyazaki or something very intense and dark with Attack on Titan, something fucking weird, like sort of online. It's a very cool concept. And ultimately, this is a why, like, like, Can somebody explain why every, every second anime that comes out now is sorry, like oh, yeah. people getting lost in an MMO world? More. Like... It's it's way too much. It's way too much. I don't know. I agree uh, to that. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Man, this is a, and yeah, I, I'm still going to stick with, with with Pokemon, Dragon Ball, these kind of shows, uh, and certainly um, the streaming services. Uh, Crunchyroll, Netflix just made it more accessible and and put it out there so that more people could cross it. Yeah, I think my very rea my very reaction to. Yeah. Like you talking about the tops and I saying fucking Beyblade. I think I told you you need to know. Like anime is in the mainstream. Like anime, yeah. anime is a genre. Anime is a me anime is a medium. It is not a genre. And I think but also it is an it is an anime, it isn't the, okay. the, the favor of uh, anime, every fun. anime show for one to say, you are not just anime. You are more than one thing, you know? And I think that's maybe a strength in anime. Uh, that's a that's a point in anime's column. Fascinating. This was a this was a really good conversation. I think we've gone through a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We thought we thought we were gonna have to push to yeah. fifty five, and it's now. Well, I think we can talk for a long time on pretty much anything. Like, like I think uh, we. I don't know if we, we haven't said on the podcast, but one time Sam and I met at a coffee shop and we talked for star about Star Wars for like four hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we end up going yeah. to get dinner after that. So we can we, we can talk talking. for a while about these topics. Um, There's a lot. I, yeah, I think I think not enough justice is given to the nerd debate. Um, I, yeah, it would behoove us at some point to maybe bring on uh, people yeah. who have nerd interests outside of our own. Anyway, uh, we'll leave it there. Yes. We'll be back, uh, 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 next time. So for the uh, Harmonica Brothers Variety Show, yeah. I'm Matt, and thanks for joining us. Uh, we hope you tune in again.